Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy, and I'm here after several cups of coffee. <laughs> None in my hand at the moment. Today is Thursday, December 5th, and I just am leaving the coffee shop now. Um, Jim Sorensen drove up from Albuquerque today, and so he joined me and Emily Ma and Trent Celestine. We had a good conversation, and I decided to record this podcast on the way home because this was his first time coming up and I wanted to be there uh, to orient him, introduce him to the new folks. And so I took the interstate in to make sure I was on time. And then I got there way before him, so it was unnecessary, but so it goes. So we have the little bit of the delayed podcast so I can talk to you on the way home. It's too bad for those of you who really enjoy me uh, hearing me yell at other drivers aspect of the commute podcast (laughs) because, boy, the traffic was thick this morning and people were impatient. I actually was passing someone in the left lane on the interstate and this guy came up behind me and had to flash his lights at me because I didn't get over fast enough. And then he was screaming up behind other people and being generally obnoxious. So that was charming. You would have heard all sorts of choice complaining from me about that. But it was good writer's coffee today. I stayed probably longer than I should have um, because I (laughs) need to be back home writing this book. But it was good to to talk to my fellow writers because I was complaining about the fate of the Tala and um, that it's being difficult to write and that I'm not really enjoying it. And they said, oh, well, then you're getting close to the end, aren't you? And I was like, well, yeah, actually, I am getting close to the end. And uh, Emily Ma mentioned, she said that, uh, and I think I've heard other people say it before, she ascribed it to Connie Willis, but that... If people say that it's, you know, oh, the book is pretty good, you know, they're at the beginning and that it goes from being, uh, you know, the book, you know, the good book to the damn book to the fucking book. (laughs) I believe I referred to it as the vile book. I said, I have to go and work on this vile book. And that was when they said, oh, you must be done, almost done. So that does make me feel better because it is a common arc for all authors that, And I know I bring this up a lot, you know, about not conflating the writing experience with the reading experience. But it really is very true that um, you just, uh, you know, just because you're working at it and feeling the annoyance of working it doesn't mean that, that the book itself is terrible. I think I'll get over in this lane. Well, this person's like way out in the middle of the intersection for the red light. <laughs> like they barely stopped in time and decided not to reverse, I guess. They're a good, um, what, 10 feet ahead of the white lines? <laughs> choices. We all make choices, right? So, yeah, um, Emily was off to go see the Mr. Rogers movie at the 1110 showing while her kids were at school. And I really want to see that movie. So I was very tempted to go with her, but I am being a good writer kitty and 
going home and working on the vial book. <laughs> the other night, we um, did the deal at the Jean Cato Cinema, where I interviewed Melinda Snodgrass. I think I mentioned that before that I was going to do that, but then I didn't um, do a podcast yesterday, so I haven't talked about that. But that was really fun. Um, it was really nice that Melinda said that I was a wonderful interviewer. She even put it on social media, so we have proof. Uh, that was really, really nice. And so we got to sit up on stage, and I got to ask her all of my questions. The, the major mistake I made, if we and I will post it once the video is live, was I forgot to introduce my own self. <laughs> Somebody came up to me afterwards and said, I kept waiting for you to introduce yourself and you didn't. And what is your name? <laughs> I'm, I'm bad about that. Um, I've been called on that before, not introducing myself. <clears throat> I don't know. I think I just... I, it's not that I assume everybody knows who I am because I don't. Um, I think part of it is is I really do believe in being a good moderator and and that means keeping the focus on the other person. I, I really hate it when moderators or interviewers try to make it be about themselves, you know. I think we've all seen those panels where the person who moderates like takes over and just talks about themselves and their own work and um, you know so I'm very much a believer in stepping back and showcasing the other person or people as much as possible so I think I was really focused on that uh, and maybe I half expected that there would be someone else who would introduce us and say so but that didn't happen. But um, there, there were some interesting, some interesting moments, and it was it was a really fun conversation. My favorite kind of conversation, because Melinda is longtime friends with George R. R. Martin, and George was there. And in fact, we weren't sure if George would show up or not because we thought he might be in his cabin writing. But he was there, and. I offered when we saw he was there, I said to Melinda, you know, if you would rather have George do the moderating and interview you, you know, I'm happy to step aside. And she said, no, I think George wants to take advantage of not having to, to do that and just be in the audience. I said, okay, great. So, but it was fun because George called out, uh, Melinda referred to it as convincing, uh, said something, you know, he would call things out from the audience various questions and it was fun I got to uh, call on him I, I asked him, you know I said do you have a question young man <laughs> I, w I amused myself if nobody else okay folks green arrow let's go let's go it's not that long I'm in I'm behind a moving van from the Raven fine consignment antique vintage and new store and he's being careful of his load but Oh, look, <laughs> and the person behind me went through the yellow arrow, too, so now I don't feel nearly so bad. I could have zoomed up in front of this guy. There's a double lane there briefly, but it seemed impolite. They've got a really pretty design on the back of their truck. So with sort of um, big red dahlias, they look like, and then a 
cherub with schoolwork and a raven, raven in the middle of a hoop being held up by the cherub. It's pretty good to look at. Well, I've got the Christmas trees out at the Mexican village. That's probably on PC, but there's this pullout by the side of the road where people predominantly Hispanic uh, bring various things for sale and I, I love driving by and say so you can sort of see the seasonality of what's going on you can buy flagstone there sometimes of the year you can buy carved posts you can buy um, metalwork sculptures this time of year you can buy Christmas trees that's where we buy ours the very first year we lived here I called the Forest Service to make sure that those were legally harvested Christmas trees because I was all worried that I was like, I didn't want to support, um, you know, the pillaging of the forest, but the Forest Service assured me that, yeah, those are all legally obtained with permits. Mm -hmm. So, and the great prices and, you know, you go and you pay cash and then it's going directly into the pocket of the mm -hmm. person who is I don't know, doing all the work. I like I like that. We've bought cactus there before. Anyway, that's all a, a tangent. That's part of the brand here at Jeffy's first cup of coffee. Raining a little bit. I do turn on the windshield wipers. It's funny to have snow on the ground and a little bit of rain. I think that's funny about it here. Maybe a lot of places get that. Okay, so anyway, um, I was asking Melinda about her process and she was talking about that she is an outliner and that she plots backwards that she always knows how the book is going to end and that she feels like you have to know how the book is going to end and i i wanted to laugh ha 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 because here i am twenty thousand words from my ending and i still don't know how it's going to end or i kind of know but i don't really <laughs> and it's driving me crazy so you know that there is that uh, argument against it but I can't know the ending until I write it, so I just have to let go of that. Anyway, so Melinda said that she knows how it ends, and then she plots backwards. And that when she sits down to write every day, she knows what scene she's going to write. And she feels like that's very important for meeting deadlines. And of course, the elephant in the room is that, you know, George is sitting there, and he is very clearly having trouble finishing his, you know, A Song of Ice and Fire, the final book or books and she you know she was saying that and I've heard George use the the analogy before of an architect versus a gardener and she was saying that she is definitely an architect whereas George is a gardener and it was it was funny to hear her say oh well you know I feel like it's really important to to be able to write this way in order to meet deadlines okay folks are you really not going to go the speed limit I guess they're not. <laughs> I'm on the little two-lane highway, so it's not too loud for you guys. And the advantage, disadvantage of the little two-lane is you, you get behind the person who's just not even going to go the speed limit, and you're kind of stuck. It's a double yellow for quite a lot of it. Oh, yeah, definitely put on your brakes. Oh, good, you're going to turn. Yay! Yay! Goodbye! Goodbye! All right. Now we are free. We can fly and be free. Oh, sorry, that's like somebody trying to call through, I think. 
we shall ignore them. All right. So anyway, it was um, interesting being an interviewer for that because I do have to restrain some of my wise-ass comments. Those of you who know me and know that I tend to make wise-ass remarks, I often <laughs> want to remind people that uh, that I really am tactful because you should just hear all the things that I don't say. <laughs> but it was a funny moment when Melinda was talking about that and, you know, and pointing out that George is a gardener. And, you know, of course, when people find out that I've like been around George R. R. Martin, they will occasionally ask me and say, oh, well, did you ask him when he's going to finish the book? And, you know, and they're kind of half joking and half serious because of course it's the thing that everybody wants to know but it's like you know no of course nobody asks George that you know it's like you're just out of common courtesy you don't ask a creator about the thing that you know is tormenting them why why would you do that to somebody you know George is is a writer like all of us and you know he, he's trying to bring this thing in for a landing I, you know with my book which has all of these complicated threads. I blogged about this yesterday. Uh, I got on the phone with Grace Draven yesterday morning just to try to talk through some of this ending. And it was, it was helpful. It was generally helpful. But I was explaining to her all the plot up until this point and all of the various threads. And she kept going, oh my God, <laughs> oh my God, you're trying to do that too? And that? <laughs> so at least I knew that it's not just me feeling like this is difficult. But for those of you who are familiar with the Song of Ice and Fire, like if you have watched the HBO Game of Thrones series, you know, the books are even more complicated than that. And... I was thinking about passing this guy. He probably wants me to. This is somebody else who is also not even going 50. And he keeps sliding over to the side like he would like me to pass him. I'm probably following too closely. But there was not enough room to pass there. I was thinking about it briefly. Thinking and talking at the same time. It doesn't always work. So, I can only imagine what it's like for George being a gardener also and having written all of these myriad plot threads trying to tie this up. Um, I know how much of a headache this book is giving me, literally giving me a headache at times. I don't know if that's... um. <laughs> What, if I'm just getting a headache because I'm tired? I don't often get headaches, so I'm not really sure what that means. Oh, yeah. So now the speed limit drops down to 40. So the person in front of me is very assiduously dropping down now to less than 40. The people who take the limit of the speed very seriously. I am not a person who takes the limit of the speed very seriously, if you guys have... Um, not figured that out yet. So uh, the the other mon the other moment that was funny was Melinda was sort of talking about the history of you know being in this community of writers in Santa Fe and Albuquerque, which was really quite remarkable. And she was talking about the the various people who uh, 
you know, the, the person who was the first to get a computer and how he got a computer and started writing on it. And then they all got computers and how that had changed the writing process. <laughs> and I ne very nearly said, except for George, <laughs> who very famously still uses, you know, like a little word star or an actual manual typewriter and turns his books in on paper. But I didn't say that either because I was, I was trying to be nice. So, so it's been a fun few days for a writerly community, much needed with um, sort of a counterbalance to working on the bio book. <laughs> and let's see. trying to think of what else I should have to tell you. Oh, I know one thing I was thinking about is I was catching up on Leslie Penelope's podcast at My Imaginary Friends and she was talking about professional jealousy and wrestling with professional jealousy and that's definitely a real thing and I know I have touched on it in various ways at various times and I, I have found I, I do agree was what she was saying that she felt like this is something that all people wrestle with and I think that that's absolutely true I feel like um, you know seeing how other people are doing and wanting it for yourself is is part of the human condition and I think it's part of what motivates us too you know but, and she had a great thing where she said she was raised to believe that if somebody else in the world is doing a thing that you could also do that thing that you that you could be that person. And I think that that's a great way to look at it. You know, seeing what somebody else is doing or, you know, a deal that they've achieved and so forth is definitely um, an incentive, right? It, it gives you that. And so that twinge of jealousy can be a positive thing. But that's why I talk about that, uh, that my mantra is eyes on my own work because I have found that the one sure antidote to feeling jealous of what somebody else has is to work on my own thing. Well, there's two things. To work on my own thing, uh, turn my attention back to my work and to what I'm trying to do. And then I also try to flow out and be generous to somebody else. So if I am feeling like, if I'm feeling that meanness and feeling that like, oh, I don't know why they got that book deal and I didn't and it's not fair, then a sure response for me is to then reach out and celebrate. Not necessarily them, I, you know, because if I can't do it sincerely, I won't do it. I don't want to sound uh, catty or uncertain in any way, but, you know, I can reach out to somebody else and celebrate them. And I do find that reversing the flow of that feeling to uh, being generous and enjoying one else is a great way to combat that sense of jealousy. So now I'm home and I'm going to get to work on the vile book. Sorry, that's the closing of the garage door, which we're having replaced next week. That'll be exciting. It's, you might have been able to hear how creaky it is. So anyway, Jeffy's first cup of coffee is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. And you can find other podcasts you will love at 
frolic.media slash podcasts. And I will talk to you all tomorrow. Take care. Bye-bye.